the dad business. And here is your host, Nigel T. Best. Hey everyone, it's me, Nigel T. Best, your host of the dad business. And welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the podcast that if you are working on that double trouble of trying to run your own business and be a great, amazing, fantastic dad at the same time, and boy, does sometimes we struggle on one or both of those. But this is the podcast that's here to try and help share some love, help, affection, um, top tips that we can get better at doing both of those jobs. All right. Today, we're going to be looking at something really important. We're going into the business side of things today. And I don't know if anyone's out there that's ever worked with somebody else as a business partner. Uh, they've worked with someone as they've tried to buy something from them. Uh, They've been a joint venture partner with somebody, whatever it might be. There's always something in there that you're thinking, should I, when you look back, should I have read the signs? And today we're going to be going through the 12 signs that maybe you shouldn't trust that business partner or vendor. So the 12 sure signs that maybe you shouldn't be trusting your potential business partner or the vendor. All right, let's go straight into these. Number one, is there a long time between communication? So are you waiting? Are you left angling? Uh, Do people respond to your calls, emails? If people don't do it, you know, it starts off in a flurry, doesn't it? It's fantastic. Oh, my goodness. I'm so eager to work with you. Uh, This is going to be amazing. We're going to do this, that, and they're all over you to begin with. And then things get a little bit longer. It takes a bit longer things don't, you know, you don't get that that sort of instant um, response to things. And you're thinking to yourself, well, hang on, hang on, what's what's going on here? And there's longer and longer wait times. And so, you know, what's, what's that telling you? Is it telling you they're not interested anymore? Are they too busy? Are they doing something else? Don't they have their act together? Uh, are they nervous about giving an answer? Uh, what are they trying to hide? It's it's that element of frustration or being underwhelmed by them and their performance that can leave you thinking, hold on, hold on, maybe this isn't the partnership I thought it could be. So number one, long wait times between communications. Number two, your gut feel. Sometimes you just have a hunch and looking back over things that go wrong, there are possibly and times when you've gone back and looked at it and you went, you know, I knew, I knew there was something not right. Maybe you can't describe it. Maybe you can't put your finger on it. Maybe you can't even sort of explain how or what or or when it's something's, you know, not going to work out, but you just have that gut feel, don't you? Now, some people will really go on the gut feel. Other people will say, no, I've got systems in place. Uh, we're going to follow a due process. This is going to work out uh, and it's all going to be good. But other people would really say, you know, trust, trust your gut instinct. It can be a very, very powerful tool in navigating your decisions. And for some people, uh, we're going to come on to it later on. Uh, this is uh, your gut, your gut feel, your hunch is often playing out your values and what you value in your life. So do you have a gut instinct, a gut feel that something isn't quite right? Take note of it. A lot of people do. Number three, 
inconsistent information. Have you ever had that conversation when it starts off and they tell you all sorts of things and you go, oh, that's good, that's good, that's good. And then a little bit later, you come back and you um, you talk about something and you say this and you say that and they go a bit blank or the story doesn't quite stack up. So maybe you say to someone, oh, have you done this before? Have you got some deals? Oh, yeah, look, I've done about 12 of these, um, all being about 20 million each. And then you say, you go back to them and you say, oh, right, okay, uh, you were the person that ran all these deals and uh, I'd like to have some more details on them and go away and check them out. Oh, well, I wasn't quite the one that ran them. I was kind of a person in the team that sort of was in sort of, sort of, uh, uh, and it goes like that. Have you ever seen, uh, I'm sure in America it's the same, but in the UK, The Apprentice, The Apprentice when they get them in. And they write all these things down and they say, I'm the world's greatest salesman. I've done this. I've run businesses. I've created this for nothing. And then when they get to the interview stage and they drill into it, the story changes a little bit. Now, one of the biggest things that I've noticed on that is when uh, whoever's hosting The Apprentice, so over here, Lord Sugar, when he sees or when his able lieutenants see that people are inconsistent in their information, the trust factor drops through the floor. And for some people, for some people, it's a case of one strike and you're out. And they work on the basis, and I love this approach because it's so true. There's plenty of potential partners. There's plenty of potential business deals. There's plenty of vendors out there. This, you know, the deal of the century comes along every day. And why waste your time with people that aren't 100% honest or upfront from the beginning? It's a very good point, and you need to consider it. Number four, why is it some people can't take responsibility? My goodness me, when you go to someone and, and their performance is lacking and you challenge them over it, what's the one thing that you find that they do? They blame other people, don't they? Now, there's a great little... Um, thing that I do to, to remind people, and I, I often tell them, uh, hold on, would you mind getting out of bed before you talk to me any more about this? And they, and they look at you a bit weird because they're in the office and thinking, I'm not in bed. And I'm saying, yeah, you're in bed. And, and they went, I, I don't know what you mean. I said, you're blaming, you're making excuses, and you are denying. And that stands for B-E-D. I said, you're in bed. I want you, when you're up the proverbial creek, they say you grab a, a paddle, don't they? Well, I always think of it as an oar. So if you think of it as an oar, O-A-R, I want you to take ownership, accountability, and responsibility for your performance. And do you know what? If that person is always in bed when they tell me things, when I'm asking about performance or looking about um, the performance of a JV or uh, any sort of business, if, if they're permanently in bed, um, I'm not interested. And it's a case of, I've told you to take ownership, accountability, responsibility. You're not. So let's get someone in who can. Now, it might be that you have to replace a person at that point, And uh, maybe the deal's still good, but maybe the people you're working with are not so good. So people being able to take responsibility it's amazing how few do. Number five, 
Uh, have you ever sat down with someone and you've gone through a contract or terms of reference or any sort of paperwork and, oh my goodness, they nitpick the slightest thing, the tiny minutiae of uh, the detail. Lots of little changes to very small things that from my accountancy days, when we used to go in, if you found an error, you'd look at the accounts and you'd say, okay, is this error material? And by material, they mean if this error wasn't disclosed and wasn't corrected, would the accounts be so different that the person's opinion on the business be a different opinion? And often what you'd find is you'd find errors, but you'd find errors on $10, you know, eight pound items, but the business turns over 10 million. So finding that error, if that's a one-off error or there's, you know, no evidence that it, this is systematic or there's no way it could be systematic, you'd look at it and you go, yeah, there's an error. Make sure you don't do that in the future, but you wouldn't faff around correcting accounts for that sort of uh, level of detail. You'd be looking at the bigger picture. You'd want to concentrate on the bigger picture, but some people... They're stuck. They're stuck nitpicking away all these tiny little changes. And all I'd say is if you're with someone who is constantly doing that, to me, they're taking their eye off the big picture. To me, they're looking at the wrong thing. To me, they're not going to be someone that I want to work with or will enjoy working with in the long term. So check out and see if you've got people who do that. Next one, number six talking about money. Um, I have to admit, uh, probably like a number of people, sometimes it is, in my mind, rude to discuss money. But you can't dance around the subject forever. You need to know the nitty gritty as to what this deal proposition business is going to produce and what the returns are expected to be. You need to be able to work through those numbers, see whether it's worthwhile. If your criteria is a 15% return and when you're looking at, at these deals, it's actually when you finally, after months of talking, realize that it's a 3% return and you've locked your money in for 10 years and you were wanting 15% return with a 12-month tie-in, what a waste of time. So perhaps the best way and the way that I try and do it is, okay, this is great. This sounds good. Let's talk money. Let's talk the structure, the equity, the percentages, the investment, the returns. Let's talk through it now. Let's see where we're at and let's make sure that, uh, you know, we weed out any of those opportunities that aren't so good, that don't work for both of us, because often people have a very different opinion as to what is a good deal. So have that conversation about money. That's number six. How about number seven? When you have a conversation, they call this bait and switch, um, which I quite like the term because it, it's quite a, a good metaphor, isn't it? it it's, it makes it sound, you know, intriguing, but it's not so good, isn't this one? So. Have you ever had a, a wonderful conversation that sounds really good? The business proposition or the deal sounds amazing. The JV partnership sounds like it could be really good. And you then you have a good conversation. They're making notes and you say to them, okay, look, I tell you what, uh, let's stop it there. You write up all these details, send them over to me, and let's take it from there. 
and they agree and you go away and you get back these details of the conversation and you read the conversation and you think, I don't think I was even at that conversation because I don't recognize any of what's been written down here. And you think to yourself, right, hmm, hang on. This is going to mean one of two things. Either they are terrible at listening, note-taking, and documenting, or they're trying to pull a fast one and they might not be that trustworthy. Well, whichever it is, it's probably a not uh, a good option to have either of those things. So that one, very interesting, the bait and switch, number seven. Moving on to number eight. You get the wind and the tumbleweed because they don't respond at all. It's not like there's bad communication. It's there is no response. And uh, some people call it going dark. And one of the things is if you start at the beginning and you say, okay, here are my ex expectations. I expect you to um, monitor your messages so that you would at least once a day. Um, so it shouldn't go more than 24 hours before and somebody responds, I would expect a response in 24 hours. Get that clear up front because when people go dark and then, uh, you know, you just think to yourself, right, okay, uh, do they not think this is important? Is it not a priority? Um, do they not value this relationship? What is it? And it's very, very frustrating. So indicate up front what you expect the response times to be. But if someone goes dark, then a lot of people just say, Thanks very much. Um, when they come back to them and they say, yep, thanks. Uh, I didn't get a response from you, so I've moved on and I'm now doing a different deal. So the deal's off. Um, it happens. What about number nine? When you're proposing something with someone and they don't have any questions or concerns. Ooh, now then, is that good or is that bad? Well, if you look at any of the uh, sort of more established quality business leaders, they'll, okay, if, if the initial conversation gets over that first hurdle, which is, okay, I'm interested, they then tend to pull out the magnifying glass, the microscope, and they'll look for uh, anything that's omitted that, that should be in there in the deal that should have been considered. Are there any omissions in there? They might look at what could be a, what some might regard as a blind spot. Or they might look and say, okay, how does this fit with the rest of my business? Is it going to have a negative impact on anything? So if you suddenly did a range of sausages, the deal sounds amazing, but you have uh, a big focus on vegan and veganism, then there may well be a conflict. So I know that's a, a fairly crude and obvious one, but you never know, do you? Because um, this is where you would expect someone to just peel back uh, the the curtain, uh, pull back the curtain, lift up the rock, just have a look underneath and have a look at some other things. They call it due diligence and you would expect anyone to do it on you and you should expect to do it on somebody else. You've got to find out that they are worthy of partnering with. Um, you've, if somebody comes back and they have no questions, I often think, crikey, they either haven't understood it, they don't really understand business, they don't really understand the ramifications of what 
could, couldn't happen. And I'm also thinking, right, if, if they're not really um, coming back with any questions or any detail, how many other things could potentially be missed in this process? And when you're doing a partnership, you don't want to be the only one who's picking up on these things. You want other people to to spot what you might have missed. So two heads are better than one. Um, when they don't have any questions or concerns, as in this point number nine, then you're back to just having one head. And that's not the point of a partnership. So there you go. You'd expect people to raise some questions, some concerns. And when it doesn't happen, maybe that's not the deal for you. Number 10, you may have heard of non-disclosure agreements um, or non-circumvention, non-competitive um, elements to any sort of discussion. So if you're discussing, so this is point number 10, uh, they they don't want non-disclosure to sign non-disclosures. Um, if you're discussing something and it's sensitive and it's material that could be used elsewhere by somebody straight away and this person doesn't want to sign one, you already alarm bells are ringing. You'd be thinking, hang on, hang on. They want the information, but they're not willing to do something. Now, I would suggest that before you have a discussion with anyone, if it's very important, you get them to sign one before you discuss anything. If you then go into the partnership, you want one that matches the duration of the partnership or gives a substantial amount of time so that uh, uh, if, if there's a long lag between investment and return, you want to be protected during that period. And if you've got someone who's not willing to sign up to that, not willing to do that, then you need to really consider, okay, uh, is their heart in the right place? Are they really looking for a long-term deal or are they going to shaft me somewhere down the line? Yeah. And if they don't get it at all, then that might be an, a different worry that somebody doesn't even understand why it's important. But they're there, NDAs are there to protect both parties. Number 11, mentioned it earlier, but if you have conflicting values, so I mentioned it earlier about gut feel. Gut feel tends to reflect your, your values. So if you had a strong value that you would help anyone no matter what, if somebody collapsed on the other side of the street, you'd be the person that crossed the road to help out. If you, if you value keeping yourself to yourself uh, and not getting involved, you would keep on and, and walk on by. Now, those values, if you've got conflicting values and they lead to different gut feels about things, then you can get into a situation whereby if, if things are not going that align with your values, you will feel uncomfortable. If you try and impose your values on somebody else and they don't share them, they will feel uncomfortable. What you're looking for is an alignment of values. So if your value is to help people and you are trying to um, always put 10% of your revenue into charitable work, then you both want to agree that because otherwise that's going to be a source of conflict where the other person says, I don't agree with putting this 10% in. And uh, you can lead to arguments and breakups, the usual sort of thing. But how do you work out what their values are? Obviously, getting to know someone. A great story is go to a restaurant and see how they treat other people in the restaurant. How do they treat the waiter, the waitress in the restaurant? 
Are they friendly? Are they not? Are they dismissive? Are they, um, you know, social situations? They they often reveal an awful lot about somebody. I know in days gone by, I'm, I'm sure it still happens, you would go and have a game of golf. Now, not everyone plays golf, but go go have a game of golf with someone. Make it competitive and see golf is a famous for uh, its honesty and integrity and the fact that if you make a mistake or you call, you know, cause the ball to move or, or you need to call a penalty on yourself, you're often the only person that's seen that. And a lot of people would very much value. Uh, so you both hit the ball, one goes left, one goes right, you go down and as you approach the green, if your opponent, and it's a, a match competitive, came over and said, look, I was in the rough, I accidentally nudged the ball, I replaced it, it's a shot penalty, so I've actually played three now to your two. Your impression of them would be, I like that. I like that. And you you like the honesty. And if you have those values, if those values in social situations shine through and you like those values, then, you know, that partnership is off to a much better start. And the compatibility when you're working together is likely to be higher. If you can, um, maybe raise the subject of have you done any psychometric or personality tests? What sort of person are you? Uh, I think that's always useful. So are they a detailed person or are they a gregarious um, salesperson? You know, you want them to be in the right role for them because they're going to perform better if they're at their in their optimum zone, as it were. So the values, they really do determine the way that they work. Um, and the way that they will work with you. We're in the dad business. Do they have family? Do you like working with people that also can understand those times when, you know, family counts and you're going to just ditch everything and, and go sort the family out? You know, if you've got a problem or an emergency, you're going to go. If you're working with someone that hasn't got family and cannot understand it and gets hugely frustrated by it, that's going to be a source of, of conflict that you're going to have to resolve one way or the other. So. If you can find out what a person's values are, you often do it, as I say, through social means or maybe some form of personality test that they can do, um, then you're going to have common themes. If, if that's better, it, it'll work an awful lot better. Um, it's also, you remember, it's business. If you're working with someone who you feel is unethical and you are very much the ethical person, that's not going to make you feel good. So try and find out what their values are, because conflicting values, I would say, don't do it. And finally, number 12. Number 12, here we are. Have you ever had someone who is very good at just saying, there's a problem here, there's a problem, but will never give you a solution? So number 12 is people that propose problems, but they don't propose solutions. Now, I always find that it's easy to criticize. And I don't mind feedback. I really don't. And everyone should take on the mantra, feedback is the breakfast of champions. So feedback on the Dad Business Podcast. Send me a review. Let me know. Nige, absolute rubbish. Terrible. Disgrace. 
you're a waste of space. Uh, your podcast is awful. It's horrendous. Okay, that's great. But what would really help would be if you said, Nige, your podcast is terrible because the sound is shocking. Here's a solution. I'll send you something through. Maybe your setup's not quite right. Here's a great mic. And they give you a solution. Uh, when you're doing it, make sure that you do it. This, you know, they tell you the solution, how you could maybe make it better. I love that. I love that. But I cannot abide someone that just criticizes for the sake of criticizing. And I've always tried, tried. Now, I've been involved in an awful lot of meetings with people in local authorities, local councils, um, NHS, and they they don't get this because they only hear the criticism. But I will always, if I'm going to raise a point, I will raise a potential solution or other ways of thinking about something. And I would never just say, stand up and say, that's rubbish. I would always stand up and say, that is absolute rubbish. And here's why I'm thinking this. And here's a potential uh, other option or other ways of thinking about it. Um, yeah, I, I can't help myself. Some of those local authority meetings, oh my goodness. You, you, I can sit on my hand for so long and then I just have to point out the uh, the bleeding obvious at times. But love them. You know, they have to do a job. Um, it's just interesting how they propose to do those sort of things. That is definitely um, a, a lack of similarity of values and uh, they probably fail all 12 of these particular points. However, we have to work with them. And one of the best things is you can try and propose uh, or, or highlight a problem and propose a solution. Um, if you are working with someone and they're always having a go, so if you're coming up with advertising, oh, I don't like that. Okay, great. What would you put in? Well, I'm, I'm just saying I don't like that. It doesn't help. If you're doing product design, I say, well, I, I don't like the way that looks. Oh, I don't like the color. Oh, I don't like, it doesn't feel right, does it? Mm. And they leave it at that. It, it, it's worse than useless. And the one thing you're wanting is, what's the guy off the film? Don't give me problems, give me solutions. Yeah, absolutely. And if you, I'm sure if you've got staff when they do it uh, and they come to you and say, oh, the phones don't work. Well, I, I just say, okay, talk me through it. Uh, is everything on? So what, what are you going to do about the fact that the phones aren't working? Well, I thought I'd come and tell you. Okay. Uh, my qualification as a telephone engineer hasn't come through yet. So what are you going to do about it? Oh, well, I suppose we could do this, couldn't we? Um, we could try the old favorite of turn it off and on again. Yeah. Why don't you give that a try and see how that works? And sure as eggs are eggs, someone will come through Five minutes later saying, oh, yeah, yeah, the phones are working again. Yeah, we just turned it off and on again. Right, great, great. And is it a case of you've got to educate people, train people, that whenever you spot something, the more impressive thing, never mind spotting it, which might be good, the more impressive thing and the thing that makes somebody value working with you even higher is when you come up with a potential solution. It might not be the best solution, but it gets your brain thinking. And have you ever seen the improvised or heard the improvised comedy routines? In business, people suggest something and someone will say, yes, but. 
and the but is effectively saying, yes, I'm not really listening to what you've said, uh, but I would like to say that you're an idiot. And, and it goes nowhere. What you're wanting in business is someone that comes to you with something and they say, yes, and, and they add to it. So the phones are wrong. Should I turn it off? Yes. And you could try rebooting the system as well. Oh, yeah, yes, I could. And I could also then just phone, uh, I'll use my mobile and I'll phone the help desk and the support desk and see if there's a problem. Yes. And when you've done that, you can write it all down so that if it happens again, we've got some checkpoints that we can follow to do it. It's an incredibly powerful thing. Get people out of the habit of saying yes, but and get people into the habit of saying yes and because finding a problem finding um giving some feedback is super important but you've got to give that feedback with a solution and i'd say you've got to train people to give those solutions but if you're going into a something that someone's worked you know you're going into a partnership with someone who's done this for many 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 years are they ever going to change unlikely so it's always going to come back to you and you're just going to get this feedback that doesn't really help and leaves you uh, stuck in the dark. So number 12, they propose problems without proposing a solution. So there we are. Those are 12 things, the 12 signs that maybe you shouldn't be trusting that business partner, that deal, that vendor. And let's quickly recap. Long time in between communications. Maybe your gut feel is telling you something. What about when you get number three, getting in consistent information? Number four, they refuse or just don't take responsibility. Number five, they nitpick over minor details. Number six, nobody dares talk about the money. Number seven, they bait and switch. Number eight, well, it just goes dark. They don't respond at all. Number nine, when you've got a proposal and you're looking for the deal, they have no questions and no concerns. Number 10, Non-disclosure agreements, they're not willing to sign them. Number 11, your values, their values, are they in conflict? And number 12, they are quick to tell you the problem. They never give you the solution. So there we have it. They're the 12 things. Have a mull over those, a think through, because there are some in there that I'm sure you're probably highlighting the alarm bells are going off, klaxons going, you're thinking, oh my goodness, he's nailed it. That's one of these. I'm not going to do that deal. If that's helped, that's perfect. But my name's Nigel T. Best. You've been listening to The Dad Business. I'll see you again. Thank you so much. See you soon. Bye for now.